everyone, we're here for week 44 of our text. And this week we are looking at uh, chapter 26, section 4 through section 9. So let's get started as we join together, uh, calling in the Holy Spirit, recognizing his presence within us, asking for his wisdom and his peace. So let's take a moment to do that. Amen. So today, as I said, we're starting with uh, chapter 26, and we are in section 4. And that section is where sin has left. So he's talking here about forgiveness. Forgiveness is this world's equivalent of heaven's justice. Translates the world into a simple world where justice is reflected then here in the world. So, with forgiveness, what he's saying here is that we don't forgive unless we've believed in sin and still believes that there needs to be forgiveness. Thus, forgiveness, according to the Course, then we, can't, we use it to come to know that there is nothing to forgive, nothing to forgive at all. And so what we start to see is that shift, right? He's saying a world of glory. Each flower and shining light, he gives us some poetry here, right? Every bird sings the joy of heaven, et cetera, et cetera. So when we are seeing ourselves as sinless, we're seeing ourselves as one. And so in paragraph three, he talks, the holy place in which we stand is the space that sin has left. There is no sin that we are pure. We see the face of Christ and all of our brothers. So where we once saw sin, now we see holiness. And brings the miracle to us through forgiveness, right? Forgiveness brings that miracle to us. And it is a gift that we give to ourselves, to our brothers, as we're recognizing there is no sin. There's nothing to forgive. All is as God created it to be, as one in perfection. And then he goes on a little more poetry in this as well. So our next section is five, um, on page 549, section 5. And the first one was obviously a very short section, so be sure to read it for yourself. So I mean, like I said, this next section is five, the little hindrance. And so that's on page 549. And the little hindrance, he says, can seem large to those who do not understand that miracles are, are all the same. Hindrance can also be uh, resistance as well. And he says, well, you know, understanding that miracles are all the same, that's what this course is for. That's the purpose that we're learning that everything is the same, that there is no difference. So we have two teachers, right? The teacher of the ego and the teacher of Holy Spirit. It's our choice which one we're going to follow, but really in truth, there is only one way, and that's the way toward heaven. We're always going toward heaven. And he says anything that we lose is time. 
it's our time, how long or how short it's going to take us based on, well, that teacher we're listening to. Do I want to hear the voice for fear or do I want to hear the voice for love? And so God gave us the Holy Spirit. He, he was here to replace that fearful, angry voice that we had, that we made ourselves. And so now here in comes the Holy Spirit. He's there. In that instant, when we wanted separation, here's the Holy Spirit to lead us back, to join us back to God. Or to have us remember our joining. Because remember, we're already joined. Nothing has changed at all. So as long as we're still living in time, believing in time, he's going to guide us through what he calls this maze. This maze of the world. And he says, you think you live in what is past. He says, each thing you look upon, you saw but for an instant, long ago. So it's like we're reviewing it rewinding and reviewing it it's all over it's all done eternal is here and now and that's what's so important so when we still live in the memories alone we're unaware of heaven so when we're so focused on the past and what happened in the past and uh, believing in sin that somebody sinned against us somebody did something wrong then we're still living in those memories but see, forgiveness can be the great release from time, is what he tells us at the top of 551. It's the key to learning that the past is over. That's an important piece. Forgiveness is the great release from time. It is the key to learning that the past is over. It's over. It's done with. It's over and done with. And it may not seem that way. Especially uh, when we look at self-forgiveness. Maybe a lot of things have come up. You know, I've had stuff come up recently where I have been feeling guilty uh, about some things that I had said and, and, and done. And I can let that ego continue to eat away at me, eat away at my peace, eat away at my wholeness. And what it's doing is keeping me in the past. It's not letting me see the the present moment, the, the gift of the present moment, the gift of eternity and now and here. And it's like, well, you know, I'm holding on so tightly to those mistakes and that pain and that guilt and that sadness that all comes in. But forgiveness releases it, releases me. doesn't mean I can't learn from those things, but it releases me so I can embrace who I am. And we jumped on to paragraph eight. He says, well, the unforgiven is a voice that calls from out of past forevermore gone by. Everything that points to it as real is but a wish that what is gone could be made real again. I want the past. I want to keep living that past. That past is activated for me. It's right here, right now. And if I keep working on it, maybe I can change it so it's different. Forgiveness is giving up all hopes of a better past. I can't change the past. I can't change the things that I said that I feel bad about. What I can do is change my mind about it. So would God have us not be able to do this? 
would he want his son to suffer? No, that's why the help is here. He's not going to lose us at all. He holds us in his heart. So resurrection, we can resurrect from this. That's what's at the bottom of the page. He talks about that idea of resurrection. And we can, uh, as someone told me today, you know, rise from the ashes of the phoenix. And the phoenix rising from the ashes, I should say. That we can live again. No matter what has gone on, we can live again. No matter what mistakes you've made, what pain has been caused by someone else or yourself, it can be released. So, as he keeps going, he says, well, the son whom God created is as free as God created him. We are free. So is our brother. So, forgiveness is doing God's will. That's what God wills of us, that we forgive. So are we going to continue to listen to the shadow voices, voices of the ego, right? They're not going to bring us forward. They're going to keep us ruminating in the past, trying to change that past, trying to make it better, trying to make it different, having someone else make up for that past. Can't happen. 13, he, he says, each day and every minute in each day and every instant that each minute holds, you but relive the single instant when the time of terror took the place of love. We're reliving that instant all the time when we decided for fear instead of God's love. The very end here, forgive the past and let it go where it is gone. You stand no longer on the ground that lies between the worlds. You have gone on and reached the world that lies at heaven's gate. Forgive the past. Let it go. It seems so hard to do when we are in so much pain with whatever it is, what someone has said or done to us or maybe what we've said or done. It's hard to let that go. But when we can let it go, it doesn't mean we forget about it. Or, or we don't learn from it, change a behavior that we're doing, etc. We're changing our mind. That might help us to change something that we've been doing so we can be a better person. And here we uh, look gently upon ourselves, look gently about our brother as we see this world transformed into a world of love instead. So let's look at our next section, section six, the appointed friend. Now this is interesting. He starts us off and says, anything in this world that you believe is good and valuable and worth striving for can hurt you and will do so. Wow. It's an interesting line, jumping out, right? Not because it has the power to hurt, but just because you have denied it is but an illusion and made it real. It's all an illusion still. Whether it's good and valuable here in the world, it's still an illusion. He says you can't make one illusion real and escape the rest. You can't keep the ones, those illusions that you prefer, that you like. There is only safety and truth. 
that's it, folks. <laughs> Safety in truth. Who can believe illusions are the same and still maintain that even one is best? All illusion, every single bit of it. So he says, don't keep one illusion as your friend. This is not a friendship worthy of God's son. He gave us a better friend. You know, whether that uh, illusory friend is an idea, a belief, an attachment to something in the world, whatever it may be, he's given us a better friend. A friend, of course, is the Holy Spirit. That's where all power rests in him. We are full of grace. So don't seek a substitute for the friend that we do have. What illusion can replace the truth of who we are? And the thing is, is we're not alone in this. We have his help. We have our friend. It was a gift to us to bring us back. So when you're caught up in that illusion or you're caught up in those things that we think are good and valuable, and that could vary from person to person, it's like, well, wait a minute. I need to make room for the Holy Spirit here. I need to make room for him because he is valuable to me. And that's what's so important. That's a short section. It's only three paragraphs. And so we're going to move on to our next one, which is section seven. And that is the laws of healing. So he starts off, this is a course in miracles. He says, as such, the laws of healing must be understood before the purpose of the course can be accomplished. So we review the principles that we've covered. So as we turn the page here, right? Sickness comes from separation. When the separation is denied, it goes. So when we start to deny the separation, the sickness is going to go. We see sickness and sin as something as consequence and cause. But now when we stop focusing in on the separation and that aspect of sin that we hold, that grievance, although to me sin always sounds like such a harsher, harder word, Maybe because of my upbringing, right? Someone has sinned against me, right? Someone has done something to me. There's my judgment, right? That's sickness. Now, if you think about that, when you do have that against someone, you might be physically sick. You know, if you're having a conflict with someone, like I have had recently, you might feel sick to your stomach or tense in your chest. You may feel emotionally sick. You may be crying and upset, angry, irritated. But as soon as we deny that I see you as separate from me, and instead I'm going to see you as one with me, I'm going to see you with the eyes of Christ. That's the only thing I want to see you as is through the eyes of Christ so I can see the light of truth within you and not with these bodies I see. So the next one is guilt asks for punishment and its request is granted. Well, when we feel guilty or we see someone else is guilty, we want punishment. 
we want punishment in the sense that, you know, I want you to suffer. I want you to hurt just as bad as I hurt. Right? I want you to hurt just as bad. That's your punishment. I want to do evil things to you. I'm going to say as much evil and vile things to you as I can say because you deserve it. I had this happen to me recently because I deserve it. This person died. Didn't want to see that. And that's okay because in my response is, as hurtful as it was, my response is no, going back to the first one, right? The separation idea. I don't want to see you as separate from me. You have given me a lot. You are my savior. So I do not want to perceive anything else because I know the truth is the truth of you and the truth of me, even though I may have made some grievous mistakes. So the next one is perceptions laws are opposite to truth and what is true of knowledge is not true of anything that is apart from it. That's paragraph four. So God, yet yeah, has God given answer to the world of sickness, right? The ideas leave not their source and their effects, but seem to be apart from them. Ideas are always in the mind. It's always there. And that's our perception. If we think that someone is manipulating us, hurting us in some way, who is doing the manipulation? Who is doing it? But we are. We ask to see that. So that's what was returned to us. And I had to take responsibility of that for myself. You know, I wanted to have those witnesses to tell me how horrible I was. I want to believe that. That ego part of me wants to believe that. But I can, oh, well, wait a minute. It's not so much about them and what they're saying. It starts internally in my mind. So God's answer lies where the belief in sin must be. For only there can its effects be utterly undone and without cause. In the mind, once again, those effects can be undone in the mind. We still have to work on our mind, whether we stay uh, for example, in a relationship or a friendship, or we are not in that. We still have to do the work in our minds. So then he, in paragraph six, then it is impossible that one illusion be less amenable to truth than are the rest. That was just our last section, right? All illusions are the same. There is no difference. doesn't matter if it's a good illusion, like the, the sun coming through my window here, uh, you know, the stream of light, or a garbage can, you know, or somebody yelling at me, or um, seeing a beautiful sunset, whatever. It's all illusion, all the same. God's will is one. Anything that we wish goes against his will if it's something that we want here. Next one, paragraph seven, sin is not error, but it goes beyond correction to impossibility, yet the belief that it is real has made some errors seem forever past the hope of healing and the lasting grounds for hell. Well, there you go. And that's what's, what's happened to me recently. Is that there is a belief that I have sinned so terribly past the hope of healing, past the hope of redemption, past the hope of forgiveness in this other person's eyes. And that really hurt me in the sense that, wow, a person won't even give me another chance. 
and sometimes that happens. But the only one who can give me another chance is me because God has already given me that chance. God has already saved me. I can look at this other person and I can look within, look within at those places and realize that sin is not who I am, right? That's not the truth of who I am, that God knows who, what that is. He's given me a holy mind and I am holy. His love is there. There's no need for vengeance either externally or, or vengeance towards myself in any way. Uh, paragraph 8, nothing gives meaning where no meaning is. Truth needs no defense to make it true. Another issue that I came up with in, in my recent um, encounter is that I don't have to defend the truth. I know that maybe A was true, but B, C, D, and E were not true. I don't have to defend myself. I know what the truth is. I don't have to keep protesting it in any way. And what does that do? Do I need to attack? Do I need to defend? No, I don't. The truth is the truth. If I know what the truth is, this is like truth in the level of form, of course. That's all that matters. I know the truth. I know the ultimate truth that we're still one anyway. Nine, forgiveness takes away what stands between your brother and yourself. You want to be joined with him, no matter what. Even if I can't stand this person, I don't like what they say, I don't like how they act, I don't like what they do, I cannot see them as separate from me. Because when I keep holding them separate from me, you know, I may separate from them in form, but guess what? It's going to happen again. It's going to come up in my life again with someone else, with somewhere else, something, whatever, organizations, whatever. It's going to happen again because I haven't healed my mind. I haven't forgiven, seen beyond, seeing to the truth, you know, as I see myself uh, facing me in, in, in my camera here. It's like I haven't seen beyond to the truth. And we can remove all the obstacles that way when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and help us. God wants us to know us as we truly are and not as sin and judgment that we've placed upon ourselves. 10. Salvation, perfect and complete, asks but a little wish that what is true be true, a little willingness to overlook what is not there, a little sigh that speaks for heaven as a preference to this world that death and desolation seem to rule. So he's just asking us to have a little willingness let the truth be the truth. Within us, everything is perfect and complete. The will of God is one. We join with it. So what is the will of God? Well, he wills his son have everything. Everything. And he guaranteed it to us as he created us. But what we made has no meaning in this world. All it does is bring us a sense of isolation because of the belief in separate interests. So we're always going to feel isolated and alone. Some things to look at, right? Some things to look at. 
So then 12, and this is a long section, it goes for another page and a half or so. Let us consider what the error is so it can be corrected. What is the error? The error separation, right? Sin is a belief. Attack can be projected outside the mind where the belief arose. Boom, it's your fault. That's the sin. Instead of realizing it was in here, it was in my mind to start. 13, cause and effect are one, not separate. God wills you learn that learn what always has been true, that he created you as part of him, and this must still be true because ideas leave not their source. We have not left the mind of God. Not at all. We have not left the mind of God. We are like this <laughs> with God. We are like this with God. Never can be taken away from <sighs> Wonderful, isn't it? Can't be taken away. We're only deceiving ourselves. So through this course, we're waking up. We're seeing it as God wants us to see ourselves. So paragraph 14, top of page 557. The miracle is possible when cause and consequence are brought together, not kept separate. The healing of effect without the cause can merely shift effects to other forms. And this is not released. So we don't want to keep shifting forms, right? You know, we will not be content with not entire salvation. You know, a little bit's not going to do it for us. We want to be in salvation completely. And we're incomplete without God. We think we are. We walk around like we think we are. But we're not. We can only be complete in Him. So it's bringing us together. The miracle brings us together as one with Him. 15. Illusions serve the purpose they were made to serve. And from their purpose, they derive whatever meaning that they seem to have. God gave us, gave to us all, gave to all illusions that were made another purpose that would justify a miracle, whatever form they took. So, okay, so what? It's okay. You have an illusion that you're believing in, you're attached to whatever. But through the Holy Spirit, we can give it another purpose. The Holy Spirit will give it another purpose. It can be used to help us to wake up from the illusion. Forgiveness itself is an illusion. It's like a top, top dog illusion that leads us, you know, takes us over the bridge where God himself takes the final step. So illusions can be used for our healing purpose. 16, the miracle book calls your ancient name, which you will recognize because, because the truth is in your memory. And to this name, your brother calls for this release and yours. Heaven is shining on the Son of God. The miracle brings us back to what God created. We're reborn each time we choose the miracle. Every instant gives us that. 17, in crucifixion is redemption laid, for healing is not needed where there is no pain or suffering. Forgiveness is the answer to attack of any kind, any kind whatsoever. Attack in the mind, attack, seeming attack from someone outside of us. 
Forgiveness is the answer to attack of any kind. That's sentence two in that paragraph. That's what it's here for. It's to help us to overlook what we see going on. To overlook, to see only the light of Christ. 18. To use the power God has given you as he would have it used is natural. It's a natural thing. We've made it unnatural. We've made it this, oh God, this book is so hard. and Oh, it's so hard to see my brother, uh, see the light within him. It's hard to see the light within myself. And the thing is, is it's really the natural thing. Because that's who we are. That spark of light is there within us. That light of truth, that light of love is already there within us. So that's what guides us. That's what we are. So that is the power that we have that we can see. When we hold on so tightly to those other beliefs and those grievances and those judgments, it takes a lot of energy to do so. Do you want to keep using your energy in that way? No, <laughs> right? No. Abide in peace where God would have you be and be the means whereby your brother finds the peace in which your wishes are fulfilled. Unite in bringing blessing to the world. Yes, right? Abide in peace. After all these, it leads us to this point in paragraph 19 where, okay, now abide in peace. This is where God wants you. He wants you to experience peace. He wants you to experience heaven. Do that with your brother. You need your brother to go home. No one can be excluded. No one can be kept outside the gates of heaven. We need everyone, whoever that is that raises to your mind, that needs that forgiveness. Doesn't mean you have to go physically do something with that person, but you need to see the truth in that person in your mind. Number 20, your ancient name belongs to everyone as theirs to you. Call on your brother's name and God will answer for on him you call. Well, your brother, let's see, you are one with your brother. You're the son of God, hence he's the son of God. And when we call on the son of God, we're calling on God. Wow. We're recognizing that there is a gift of truth there for us. It's a miracle gift of truth so we can call on the name of God as one wow what a great section a great section that's a review section for us so our next section is section eight and this is the uh, immediacy of salvation he says, the one remaining problem that you have is that you see an interval between the time when you forgive and will receive the benefits of trusting in your brother. You think there's a difference. This but reflects the little you would keep between you and your brother that you and he might be a little bit separate. For time and space are one illusion which, which takes different forms. It has been projected beyond your mind. You think of it as time. The nearer it is brought to where it is, the more you think of it in terms of space. Wow, that really gives meaning, right? Just in that first paragraph. Um, you think there's a time. There's going to be this space where, okay, well, I forgive, but uh, I'm not going to talk to this person. 
not saying you have to. I mean, if it's an abusive situation, you know, I might not trust that person. And yeah, you know, here in the world, it seems like we have to build up that trust. But what he's saying is, trust your brother. He's your savior. It doesn't mean you hand him your wallet if he's taking money from you before. That's not what that means. Trust your brother, the truth that is your brother. And that's what you're to trust. Are you still keeping a distance from someone in your mind? You're keeping a distance in your mind. If you are, that's making trusting impossible. So we can have salvation immediately unless we're afraid of it. We could be afraid of salvation. No, I'm not going to forgive them because I don't really want to know the truth of who I am. I don't want to be saved. But then he says, well, you know, don't project the fear into time. Time is not the enemy. You know, I'm going to wait until this person does something before I forgive. Now, you can forgive in an instant. You can forgive in an instant. It doesn't take that long. But there's something that wants us to keep hanging on to the grievance, to the sin, to the judgment, instead of letting it go. So as we go a little bit further into this section, he says, well, the plans you make for safety are laid within the future where you cannot plan. Well, we can't plan the future. And when we do look to the future, usually we're looking at it from the place from the past, right? Because we're worried or, worried or frantic about the future. The miracle is now, right now, right here, right now. You can do this right now. Do it right now with me. Yes. I can have the miracle now. I can forgive now. I can be in the holy instant now. It takes no time at all, no time at all to have our mind corrected. Not at all. It's we that think it takes time. And so at the very end of the section, he says, you know, be not content with future happiness. It has no meaning and it is not your just reward for you have cause for freedom now. I can be happy now. I don't have to wait till I have all the certain conditions that I want to see before I can be happy. You know, I can be happy now if I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, unforgiveness with somebody. It's like, well, I will be happy when they admit they're failing, that they admit that they're a horrible person and they deserve to be punished. Then I'm going to be happy. No, I'm going to forgive, and then I can be happy. That's one of the workbook lessons, right? If I forgive, then I am happy. Something to that effect, <laughs> of course. So, Holy Spirit wants your happiness. So why not let go? Why not allow yourself to have that miracle? So as we move into our very last um, section for today, it's uh, for they have come. So think about how holy you must be from whom the voice for God calls lovingly unto your brother that you may awaken him the voice that answers to your call. And think how holy he must be when in him sleeps your own salvation with his freedom joined. Salvation is there in your brother. You want it. You desire it. God is in your brother. 
whatever wall you have built up, break it down. Look at your brother. Look at your brother with Christ's vision. Realize he is not separate from you. He is not his behavior. He is not his personality. He is not the things he say, says and does. That's not the truth. You can have a preference. You don't like what he says and does. But you can appreciate that we are all connected as one and that we're all doing the very best that we can. So it's too much to ask a little trust for him who carries Christ to you that you may be forgiven all your sins and left without a single one you cherish still. Your brother's there to help you forgive yourself. So then he goes into this idea of the blood of hatred fades to let the grass grow green again and let the flowers be all white and sparkling in the summer sun where once was a place of death, right? That separation, that belief in sin is now being transformed to a temple of, a, a temple in a world of light is how he puts it. That there's a presence there, a holy presence there, where we recognize our holiness, where we recognize our brother's holiness as, that, as well. So now what we thought hatred has brought, there is now uh a place where you stand on holy ground that heaven wants you to join with it. It's pretty much kind of paraphrased how, how he's saying it there. So then here comes everything. For they have come the sonship. And the light grows brighter as each one comes home. Imagine that image. A lot of times I start our meditations and, and groups and classes and even Sunday service that, you know, we see that spark of light within us. We let it grow and expand and we see everyone as the light and then we join as a circle of light. And this is that image. This is that right there, right? So everyone comes home. Everyone is joined in the never-ending circle. So on the next page... Um, top of page 562 as we finish out our last section here. The holiest of all the spots on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. Present love. And they come quickly to the temple. I no more want to be in that place of hatred, that place of death. I want to come into love. I want to come into that love. You want to come into that love. And he said, all the lights in heaven brighter grow in gratitude for what has been restored. You're restoring heaven to your mind. And then he says, around you angels hover lovingly to keep away all darkened thoughts of sin and keep the light where it has entered in. Beautiful. This is what to feel hopeful about, to feel grateful for. The temple has been rebuilt. We are coming. For they have come, they have come at last. If you build it, they will come. Right? 
you build the place of peace, of, of forgiveness, of heaven, of present love. Have your brothers join you there. And certainly what a difference that that will make, you know, in your, in your life completely. So next time in week 45, we will be looking at, as I pull it up here on the screen, uh, chapter 26, section 10 through chapter 27, section 5. So thanks so much for joining with me. And as always, I wish you peace. Namaste. Thank you.